in my community where I grew up, it was definitely a food desert community. No direct access to anything that's going to be healthy. Or if you were near something that's going to be healthy, it definitely wasn't going to be affordable for sure. Um, and so for me, it's growing up and those experiences of me having to go to the local corner store literally every morning on my way to school um, to be able to put something in my body to eat. And me and literally everybody on my block was doing the same exact thing. So imagine you see all of these kids lined up outside of a corner store and they put nothing but sugar into their body. What did the sweet potato say to the pumpkin? I am what I am. I can't hear you laughing right now, but I know you are. Okay, one more, one more. Why do mushrooms get invited to all the vegetable parties? Because they are such fun guys. Fun guys, get it? Okay, enough with the vegetable jokes. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast, where we believe that giving a damn leads to a much more meaningful life. I'm your host, Nick LaPara, and my guest today is Rob Veggies from Trap Garden. Hence, the veggie jokes at the beginning. His real name is not Rob Veggies, but wouldn't that be so dope if it were? His name is Rob Horton, but everyone calls him Rob Veggies, and you'll find out very soon why. A quick note before we jump into the conversation. In less than two weeks, I'll be leading a 6K for water with World Vision here in Nashville. There is still time for you to join me, or you can register for a walk happening in your city, or you can donate to help us meet our goal of $1,500. At the time of this recording, we are at $1,000. So help me surpass that goal. To do this, go to worldvision.letsgiveadam.com. That's worldvision.letsgiveadam.com. You can find out more there. Okay, let's hop right into my conversation with Rob Veggies. Here we go. I'm super excited. Welcome to the podcast. Man, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. So again, we'll get to the veggies part of this. Uh, very exciting conversation. I, I didn't actually mention this before, but we are vegetarian family, almost vegan for four years now. And so uh, we're very interested in the kinds of things that you're doing, uh, the kind of work that you've chosen to do, and, and a lot of the elements that we'll get into very soon. So this is exciting for me on a personal level. Plus, getting to share your story with the Let's Give a Damn family. All right. So, um, why don't we begin with part of your story? Take me back as far as you want to go, but I would love to get a grasp on the people, places, things that shaped who you are today. So, anything that sticks out in your mind, you can go back as far as you want to. Share some of those things with us. Right. Yeah, most definitely. So, I am Rob Veggies, and um, really, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, currently residing in Nashville, Tennessee. But that's where my story starts is actually in St. Louis. So in my community where I grew up, it was definitely a food desert community. No direct access to anything that's going to be healthy. Or if you were near something that's going to be healthy, it definitely wasn't going to be affordable for sure. Um, and so for me, it's growing up and those experiences of me having to go to the local corner store literally every morning on my way to school um, to be able to put something in my body to eat. And me and literally everybody on my block was doing the same exact thing. So imagine you see all of these kids lined up outside of a corner store and they put nothing but sugar into their body. My, my favorite personally was chili cheese Fritos with actual real chili and cheese that was in there dripping. 
So I feel bad for whatever teachers had me in the morning because I was bouncing off the wall. But that was an everything, everyday thing. So that was thing. breakfast? But yeah, yeah, that was breakfast. Got to start it off right. Got to start That's it off right. right. Dad, breakfast of champions. Yeah, or you get like, you know, a 50 cent bag of uh, some fruities, like some little penny candy. Um, and you munching on, on that during the way to, to your walk to school. And then in class, you know, literally right as soon as you're done, you're going right back down the block to the street, lining right back up in line to get something to munch on on your way back to the crib. So that Did was literally every day. Did you eat at school as well? Yeah, like, I did. What, did, I did they provide the lunch? Yeah. And it probably wasn't great either. Nah, not at all. Everybody was going for pizza. Pizza, chicken, nuggets. Those, yep. those are the most popular days. Nobody was touching salads during those time frames at all. Um, and then it was either like free or reduced lunch for the most part for a large volume of students who were in that school as well. And that's very loosely chicken nuggets because... Yeah. Probably not much. Chicken yeah, a whole in lot there. of process. Probably not real chicken at all. No. Yeah, I don't. No. I don't doubt that at all. But the same thing is, you know, on the weekends, I have a huge family, both on my mother and my father's side. And so on Sundays after church, it would be a huge spread that was just out on the table, it was from chicken to different greens, corn, and all these other objects. But really, as I was eating all of this, because it was just so massive, the portions, I would go straight to sleep afterwards. Everybody's knocked out because it's a huge meal, and it was a big thing in the family because it's our time to gather, talk, and catch up. Um, so when I am getting something that's nutritious, it was something else on the other side that wasn't very good for me at the same time either. So to fast forward, when I moved to Nashville to go to college, I started experiencing the same exact thing in the community that I was in. Mm. Um, I was in a food desert community, no direct access to anything that's healthy. And I get it, right? We college students. You can't even really afford it in the grocery store anyway. Right. Get, get right. whatever you can that's on campus. But we should at least be able to have the option to eat healthy. And during that time frame, we just really didn't, honestly. Um, and so it just got to the point to where once I was graduating, I got tired of having to drive out to what was considered a good neighborhood to get something to get that food. was good, good for food. me. Yeah. Because um, around us, it was nothing but a lot of fast food joints. Or if you were trying to get something healthy, you were, or you were right down the block or right down in another neighborhood that was way far away. And most of the time, college students don't really have vehicles or cars, so that's yeah, kind of yeah. difficult, right? And so after graduating, it got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm getting tired of going to this grocery store within my community and everything in here is trash. Yeah. Um, and instead of me complaining, how can I get to a point to where I just at least try to grow something on my own? And if I end up failing at that point, I can't you know, complain anymore. Sure. I'll just accept what they got at the grocery store, right? And how long ago, real quickly, is you graduating? Like, how, What's our time frame here? So, how long so, so I graduated from college in 2011. 11. Yeah. So six, seven years ago, you're feeling like we've got to stop this. I can't keep eating like this. Right. No, not at all. But it was still two years after that. So that was still ongoing when I first finished college. Because, you know, when you fresh out, you're still trying to get that job. Um, and you're still, like, maybe in a community where they still don't have direct access to anything that's going to be really good for you. But it got to the point that I was like, let me see how I can get involved in something to be able to at least try to grow my own. And so, lo and behold, I didn't even know, but my undergrad university, Tennessee State, had an actual community garden on its premises. So hmm. they have a lot of different ag land. And so I said, let me go and just see how I can get involved and invested in it. Um, and so they ended up giving me a, a little bit of plot area for me to be able to grow. And during that time frame, I had no experience at all growing anything. So it was a lot of older individuals who took me underneath their wing and showed me how to grow some of the essential items that was going to be good for my body. 
And so then, like, none of my friends believed that I was actually doing this because at this time, I was in corporate America. Once again, I had no experience in gardening. I showed no interest or passion in gardening at all. So different people from uh, my college friends came out, friends from the community came out to see what I was doing because they thought it was a joke. Yeah. Um, And so at that point, when they seen what I was doing, we started having these conversations, right, about uh, where they grew up at. What were they eating when they were on their way to school? And nine times out of ten, they had the exact same life experiences growing up that I did of going to that local corner store on the way to school, after school, eating these really, really heavy meals that may or may not have a lot of uh, veggies provided to them. And they wanted to get involved. So I said, how can we actually package what we're doing out here in this community garden and put it in other community gardens that was similar to where I grew up that would be beneficial? Essentially, more and more food desert areas that needed this, really. Um, and, and from there, the trap garden started, and then we just started booming from there. Okay. Well, I'm excited to get to trap garden here in a minute, but I have a few questions about the, the story you just told. How did you educate yourself? So most people, if they just said, I'm going to go start a garden... They would go out and whatever. They don't know how far to put the seeds in the ground. They don't know any of the stuff, what kind of soil, what kind of fertilizer, and they'd probably kill most of what they grew. So did you have to go through trial and error? Um, what were the kinds of – yeah, how did you learn how to grow your own food? Because, I mean, it's kind of intuitive. Like people have been doing – like the earth is like really old mm-hmm. and people have been doing it for forever. Yeah. But like yeah, how did you get to the point where you felt confident enough to grow your own food that you were going to eat? Yeah, well, and it's, it's still a learning process every day. I haven't been doing this too long, but really it was those individuals within that garden space. A lot of older African-Americans um, who were either master gardeners or they were from the Deep South and had experiences of actually gardening. And so they would educate me on, like, what's the distance that you need to kind of plant, when to plant certain items. And then TSU also provided a little bit of education prior to individuals that rented plots to be able to go out there and grow. Uh, Google is always on everybody's phone. It's right around the corner Um, on your laptop. You can type it in anytime. And so I was doing a lot of research on there as well. But you hit uh, hit it right there when you said trial and error, you know, and even if you are an expert grower, you can do everything within your power sometime and it still doesn't turn out right. So the first thing that I really did was just try to continue to learn on what can I grow, when's the best time to grow certain items, and then how can I uh, do my best to be able to grow something that's going to be successful. So Trap Garden started when? So uh, we started as an organization formally about four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tell me how that came about. I know you kind of briefly like led into it, but how did that come about? And then, you know, for as long as you need to, like go into like what's happening? What has it become? How is it helping people? How is it serving people? I mean, I, I go on your website, like everything just, it just hits me where it counts. Like I'm just excited about your vision and your mission and like all your 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 values and all of that. So tell us about that and kind of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So really with, with the name itself, and that's the question right, let's I always kind of yeah. get yeah, with the name itself. So Trap Garden. So in, in my community growing up, I was more than likely to see a trap house than an actual garden space or a community garden in general. Um, and for those who don't know, a trap house is somewhere where you go to purchase something that's not going to be good for you. Um, a drug is a shotgun style house, one way in, one way out. Um, but really it was to focus on those drug dealers. Like, And I know mm. the drug dealers are not putting out a good product, but if you think about like the actual work ethic that goes into trying to develop a good product to put out and get repeat customers because that's their grind, that's their hustle, that's how they being able to take care of their families is through that. 
I wanted to put that same exact work ethic into it, but create a product that was going to be healthy for my community and get them coming back more and more. So we try to create like the best possible volunteer experience, educational experience and experience in general within growing to get people want to come back more and more and keep doing it. Um, so for my namesake, it's just taking that hustle and that grind because, you know, what I'm doing is hopefully benefiting my community, empowering them and giving them the essential tools that they need to be able to do something that's going to be good for themselves long term for sustainability purposes. Uh, but outside of that, I think the second phase of your question was how exactly have we got here now, right? right? Yeah. So essentially, um, I did go to a HBCU, which was Tennessee State. And during that time frame, my major there was healthcare administration and planning. So prior to me getting into this space, I always knew that I wanted to be in healthcare in some type of capacity. Um, I had parents and family members who were involved in different healthcare areas. And I just knew that somehow, some way I wanted to be a CEO of a hospital. Mm. Like literally I wrote down everything I wanted to do to be a CEO of a hospital by the age of 33. Um, and so initially out of undergrad, I ended up being employed um, for a healthcare company and I did some consulting work. So I was going to all of these different hospitals and I was doing like process improvement work. How can they improve what they're already doing from a healthcare standpoint? But I noticed that as I'm shadowing these CEOs being around all of these different individuals is it's not the role in which I thought it was going to be one. And two, I was in that cubicle a whole lot more than I was in that hospital space helping the people that I really want to help within the community. So it got to the point to where how can I be able to do something to where I'm still having that face to face interaction in the communities that I want to service and help. During that same time frame of me hating going to the grocery store that was within my community. So the Trap Garden started as a, as a passion project. And through conversations, we learned that more people were having similar life experiences as me. And from there, I kind of took the skills in which I learned within my job function of being a consultant on improving certain processes and building plans to execute to me building my own personal plan through my organization. And how can we execute launching gardens in different communities, creating programs that matter, and then also sustainability programming. Uh, so I think that really helped for me to be able to package that first one. And eventually I took that leap out of the workforce officially to do this full time because I was enjoying and so passionate about yeah. what I was doing. So it started from one garden. And within that one garden, we provided some education to those community members on how to grow. But then we started learning other things about the community as well. So you're growing something healthy but can you cook a healthy meal with those items that you're growing? If you've never grown an eggplant, we got you interested in growing an eggplant, and then you're like, well, what do we do now, right? Right, yeah. And so then we added on our cooking demonstrations, and we did healthy cooking demonstrations free to the public. We told all chefs that were involved in hosting them to try to set a meal that could be prepared for $20 or less, and then so that everybody who didn't receive like an actual meal kit could still go to a grocery store, purchase all the items that they needed at a really low rate, and then be able to feed a family of two to three to about three to four days. Because essentially, we want to continue to build those different functions on you're growing something, now you're able to cook something with it. And we noticed that our audience, for the most part, because of me just being so heavily invested in my HBCU and young and a millennial and colleges, was that that's our target audience. How can we, you know, be able to provide programs for different HBCUs? So we started a campus ambassador program in partnership with uh, Toyota. And hmm. through that, we were able to educate students on how to just create something that matters. So we took our process of what we did, showed them how to create like a sustainability program. How do you develop an action plan? How do you get people interested? 
And then how do you execute on that? And whether it's a garden or any other organization, they could utilize the skills in which we uh, had given them to be able to do the same thing. And then they launched different events on their own uh, HBCU campuses, outward facing to the community to be able to enjoy that process as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And so who is this primarily for? Is it for kids? Is it for all ages? Like, who are you really trying to impact the most? It is honestly for all ages, but the thing that I notice is that if you've been eating um, fast food products for 60, 70 years of your life, then you're going to be less than likely to change your eating habits, 100%. right? Yeah. But if we're targeting uh, somebody that's five or six years old, getting them early invested within the community and eating something that's healthy and introducing them to these new items, then they're going to be more than willing to grow up and still be able to continuously eat in those same manner. Yeah, they may already have... Uh, taste buds that lean toward you know junk food and whatever, and that's maybe what they're consuming the most. But yeah. they're still way more open to change at that age. They right. they're not set in their ways, and you can convince them too if they if you can convince them this is a good lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? It's good for their bodies, good for their souls, good for their minds. Well, most of the time we're trying to like I know I'm a parent of three kids. We try to cook them super healthy food, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we know what they like and what they don't like. And so a lot of our meals, even if it's really healthy food, like we might not cook a certain vegetable or a certain thing because they're just not, they don't love that, but they love these ones. We're going to cook these ones. So mealtime can be happy. It can be, it can be Mm -hmm. a fun time. And so if they come home and say, I like this, I want this, then the parent's going to go along with it. Yeah. Like why, you know, if the kid loves it, why is the parent going to still feed them junk food when they're like, no, I actually want this. And, and we noticed that kids have a huge impact on, you know, what's going to be purchased for the home. So we're talking about if you're in a grocery store and your child grabs an apple over a bag of chips, then you're going to purchase that apple because that's what your child likes. Um, and we noticed that that trend with that. But then the second dynamic of it was those uh, individuals between the age of 18 to 24, just because they can create something that still matters mm-hmm. within their community. But also, like I think that the younger generation is being a lot more health conscious because they have so much more information uh, generated just around healthy eating, uh, some of the negative aspects of if you're going to fast food restaurants on a consistent basis or the items that you're just putting within your body in general. So we know that all of this information is out there. And it's a lot of different organizations that do the same exact work that we do. But how can you get those engaged and excited about what you're doing? So I talk about this volunteer experience. Like me coming from where I come from, we're called Trap Garden, but we're also usually playing trap music at our events. You know, something to get the people live, energetic, uh, woke, and get them involved and engaged in what they're doing. And then all the sustainability games in which we usually have going on at different events, it's also going to be something that's really fun and entertaining and energetic as well. And anytime that we establish uh, a garden, we have the community members within that community invested or involved from every step of the way from A to Z. Because what we noticed was other organizations as well would go into communities, know what they were doing was good, but they say, this is exactly what you have to do. This is bad, only eat this. Um, We want to get you just started on eating this right now. When really it should be a whole lot more conversational. Yeah. Get them slowly invested and involved in what you're doing. Start introducing those items to them and then see how it goes. A quick break to talk about something that my friends at Ruby Cup are doing, and they are not paying me to do this. I just love them and the work that they do. So listen up for 30 seconds if you want a fantastic discount on a great product. Menstrual Health and Hygiene Day is May 28th. 
this month in May. And during the month of May, your purchase from Ruby Cup has twice the impact. Usually, when you buy a Ruby Cup, they give one to a girl in need in countries where they work, like Kenya and Nairobi. During May, they'll give two Ruby Cups for every purchase you make. That's amazing. These cups are 100% soft, medical-grade silicone and reusable for up to 10 years. So go to rubycup.com, begin scrolling down, and a box will appear that says, in May, buy one, give two. Click there to read more about the impact you'll have in May. And once your purchase is in your cart, use the code DAM in all caps, D-A-M-N in all caps, to get 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Pause this podcast right now and go purchase your Ruby Cup. Now, back to my conversation with Rob Veggies. Before we push record, you mentioned that there's a garden opening in my my side of town, mm-hmm. West Nashville, the yep. Nations. How many gardens are there? I'm very excited about that one. But so what's kind of the, yeah, what's the footprint so far? And then after you share that, where do you want to go? Like, what's the what's the big vision and the dream? So... There is about essentially three gardens at this point. So we're uh, helping to revitalize one at Buena Vista. Then we have one in South Nashville with Johnson Middle School. And then in West Nashville with the the West Nashville Dream Center. This will be the third one um, that we have here. And with that, you know, all of those have programs to be able to educate community members. And all of those belong to the community. So when we try to build this it's this, their ownership. We'll provide education to them. We'll provide a process on how to grow. But whatever it is that they want to grow is what's going to be grown within that space. And then however they want to utilize it, whether it's buttering, selling, or using it for their own family, then, then it's up to them as well. Your family. You told us a little bit about your upbringing, mm-hmm. a lot of junk food, um, and the big family meals. Like what you're doing now, has that affected them? Like are they supportive of it? Are they... Do they eat? And and I hope, you know, maybe I'm digging a hole for both of us here by asking this here on the podcast. <laughs> hey, you're trying but, to set me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like, I'm, I guess I'm just wondering because, you know, you you look healthy and you act healthy. And this is obviously a really good thing. Like, th- this is this is not opinion. This is, you know, this is a real thing. Like, mm-hmm. eating healthy energizes your body and your soul and your mind, your creativity. It's just better to be that way. So yeah, has this affected them in any way? Are they kind of gravitating towards some of this? Or even like the people that you grew up with, like that's your whole like background back in St. Louis. Um, I don't know if you keep in touch with, but like, have you been able to see changes in your immediate like family and sphere of influence? Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely family centered as uh, well as still close to a lot of people in which I grew up with. So that's something that I have seen. Uh, initially, though, when I started, they were asking a lot of questions like, what's going on? Why did you decide to make this decision? You know, uh, we just don't understand. Are you getting enough meat or protein for your body? Because I'm a pescatarian. <laughs> okay, um, yep. So and they were like, why did you cut out, you know, beef the and all these other items? All the yeah, time. exactly. As if um, God forgot to put protein <laughs> in everything else. It's just the meat. Right. And so... I think they're slowly coming around. I have been seeing some uh, dietary changes, and I think it's like ebb and flow. So one season, they'll be like, oh, I'm eating healthier. Then they'll start slowly adding some of the other items back into their diet, which, you know, that's that's totally understandable because we talk about balance. You know, if you want to yeah. do it, just make sure that you have some type of balance within your life. Uh, but at least I can say, honestly, that the smaller portions for some of those non-healthy options that um, we kind of all grew up with that I think that's being consumed. And, it, and it's crazy to me when I 
hear like family members or friends that I grew up with um, in general saying that they have made like dietary changes and and just crediting to me and want to talk to me about that in general because I never knew when we first started this that anything like that would be possible or or would happen. Do you still want to be a hospital or healthcare company CEO? Uh, I mean, I think I still am. So, you know, your, the, what, what you what eat was, within yeah. your body controls all of that. It's so many preventive measures that can be taken just by changing your dietary habits um, so that you don't have to deal with a lot of the yeah, healthcare needs that you may see yourself within the hospital with. And I don't think that us within the U.S. focus on a lot of preventive care because no. if you're in a healthcare organization... We're in bad shape. Yeah, but, but think about from a business model. So I yeah. said, you know, if you're a drug dealer, you're trying to get repeat customers, you want people coming back and back for your product. If you're um, in certain situations, if you're a hospital, you're making most of your money out of the ER. So why would I stop somebody from coming to the ER when I'm going to be losing money? Yep. You know, and, it's a and that's at just the end of the day. Yeah, and that's just thinking on like a, a, a huge, high level scale. I'm not trying to say that every hospital is is that way or that's what they're thinking about, but at the end of the day, this is a business industry. And they're trying to figure out how can they generate revenue off of the butts that's in beds. Yeah, I mean, that's a different conversation for a different day, probably. But yeah, it's no no secret that the pharmaceutical industry and the hot, like, they make a shit ton of money off of repeat customers, as mm-hmm. it were. People coming back for more medicine and more this and more that. When really food is healing, food is, uh, it's life-giving, right? And the, the stuff we put into us or don't put into us directly affects how we think, how we live, how we create, mm-hmm. how I relate to my kids, the moods I'm in, um, all of those things. Like yep. food is, it's pretty magical in a sense that it can do all of those things. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. I was, I was actually hoping you would, I didn't want to lead into it, but that, I was hoping <laughs> you would say that because when you, when you first, a few minutes ago stated, you're, you, this is my dream. I even wrote it down. Like I want to be a CEO by the time I'm 38, 33 of a healthcare hospital. And then you switched to traffic. I was like, that's, that's it. You're still doing it. Mm-hmm in a way more preventative nature kind of way. Yep. Like you're helping these kids uh, never have heart diseases and never have achy joints and bones. And you know what I'm saying? Like you're yeah. helping these kids grow up in a way that they probably won't need to be at the doctors and at the hospital as many times as maybe their parents or their mm-hmm. relatives or people that aren't taking on this sort of a lifestyle. Yeah, any type of positive impact that we can have on the community, that's that's what we're about. I know one of our tag you know, taglines is for you, for me, for us. So nothing that mm. we do is solely for the benefit of us, of us as an organization. It's always community first. So we try to make all decisions based on is this going to be beneficial for the community? Is it going to be sustainable long term? Because what you don't want to do is create a garden and then, you know, the next year, if we're not personally involved, then the garden goes down the hole because yeah. the community wasn't invested. So so how can we continue to keep those investment levels high from community members still want to be engaged and involved within that space? You've obviously learned a lot over the last few years, not just about running a business, as it were, or building a platform, but about giving a damn, about uh, caring for people in different ways, young and old, and, and caring about their their physical bodies and their like that's a huge investment of time and energy, and I'm sure it's been very meaningful and positive. And also, there's some really hard times, right? And so, the people listening to this podcast are either currently giving a damn about something or some things, or they want to. Either way, they're here, interested in hearing stories about people who give a damn. Can you share a few pieces from based on your experience, uh, your your upbringing from St. Louis all the way to this point? Uh, late 20s, is that where you're, you're late 20s right now? Yeah, yeah, early 30s. Okay, well, I appreciate it. I got the baby face. Dude, I you got it. You got hair. it. I, was, I don't know, 26. 
Um, can you share a few pieces of advice, just things that come to mind, doesn't have to be well put together, just like things that you've learned that those listening can use as fuel and as just great advice for how they can begin to or continue giving a damn. One, two, three, whatever comes to mind. Uh, just just start in general. Just get started, whether you have like the full finances for it or, or not. You know, what I did is just starting with the seed and, and watching it grow and seeing where it took us. When I initially got in, investing in it, it was just personally because I was pissed off at my local grocery store. Sure. And I just wanted to find out, can I be able to grow something for my own self? And let it become what it, what it will become. Don't try to automatically think about like that mission and that vision for it. But just start somewhere very yep. small and just continually be able to add additional steps on to it. So I said first we just started with having a garden space over at TSU. Then they went to the communities. Then we added on the cooking demonstrations. Don't try to boil the ocean all at one time. Um, so get yeah. really good at doing one thing and then slowly, gradually start to add things on there. Two, if you are like working within a corporate space and you do want to eventually transition out to, to creating something that really matters within the community, set a date because it's never going to be a perfect time. Set 100%. one specific date while you're working and work up to that date. And no matter if you have all of the funds in which you wanted to save or you have a full plan in place, whatever decision that you've made, whether it's to, to launch it, to leave your job and do it full time, you have to do it. Because it will always be a reason to where you do not want to do it. And the, the most important thing to me, and I think I've said it consistently, is you know be grounded in your mission. So our mission is people. So we always try to think about the people in which we're serving before we make any decisions. So we've had opportunities to be able to work with certain brands or, or corporations um, that wasn't directly in alignment with our mission. It's no reason why we should ever partner with a fast food company. I don't care what that dollar is looking like. Yeah, It just doesn't align. And so you have to know how to say how to say no and to stay true to your mission. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing that I'm personally learning right now is knowing my capacity levels or our capacity levels as an organization and learning how to say no to other people because we have to make sure that we're doing the best possible job within the communities that we're servicing right now. And as we continue to grow as an organization, meaning bringing more team members on, then we can gradually get bigger and service more areas. But if we continue to just say yes to everything right now, then we're not going to be able to give all of our other projects enough attention to, for them to be able to be successful. Have you failed at something lately? Oh, every day, 110 times. It's all trial and error. <laughs> it is. It truly is. So on top of that question, you don't even have to point out something specific if you have something specific that you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, have you failed at something? What is it? And what did you learn from it? What are you learning from this failure or your just current your current batch of failures, which I'm 100% on board with. I've I've yes, multiple many times a day. So we're we're a nonprofit 501c3 organization, but I like to think that we run or manage more like a like a small business, just because of my experience and background um, in business, just in general. That's how I kind of wanted us to be. But we do apply for grants, and grants usually take a lot of time, and you can do everything possible and have all these multiple people working on them, but it's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get the grant. Um, and so me and the team spent some time really working hard on multiple grants within the first quarter of the year, and we just weren't really hitting any big home runs with them. We'll get a small small one here and there, but it would be uh, like the ratio would be one yes to 10 no's. Yeah. 
you know, and sometimes you don't even get a no, you just get no response, <laughs> which makes you feel even worse. But oh, you're, 100%. you're investing so much time in trying to do that and you get so many no's, but when you do get a yes, you appreciate it so much more. Um, and with that yes, you know, for us, it's funding for projects. So when we're, when we're able to fund a project and go into a community and build something that matters and you get community members that's genuinely invested and passionate, really what gets me is when we work with children, whether it's at like Buena Vista uh, with an eight-week program we have going on right now or a community member that's a child that's helping within the community garden space, coming every week, loving the process, telling adults how they really need to be in the garden and what they really need to be doing, leading certain activities, then that's, that's where I really see that it matters and all of the hard work and the grind is really paying off. But the second thing that that is, when we do, you know, hear those no's as an organization, I give everybody, you got 24 hours to cry, yell, be upset. But after that, life goes on. Get back at it. And we got to get right back on the grind because there's a lot more people that need our help. And it's a whole lot more opportunities that we haven't even uh, attempted to get yet because we're lingering over something that we didn't get. So it happens with our actual very first garden that happened. Um, somebody gave me an opportunity, and this was before we were a big organization, a bigger organization, an opportunity to be able to grow on some land. Uh, it was with the business. I was super excited. We grew, and it, it was horrible. Mm. It was like nothing really grew. It wasn't getting enough sunlight. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was something with the soil mixture, but it was not going well. And that's that's a horrible feeling when you've done everything within your power to try to be successful and you feel like you let, you know, somebody down, whether it's the community or business, um, and you just don't know what it was or what happened. And sometimes you don't even get an opportunity to try again. Because, right. you know, for a business, aesthetically, if something's not growing and it doesn't look the way that they expected it for look, then they're not going to want it again because uh, that might not bring them more business or it might not be able to service the people that they want to help within the community. Also, if they're using that food to be able to feed others as well. Uh, so feelings like that, like really, really get you down. Or even sometimes when, you, when we have to say no to other organizations, it can be hard, but you got to know how to bounce back and um, continue to just put in that good work. So failing is just essentially a part of it, but you got to just be able to get up and keep fighting a good fight. I'm glad you shared that because sometimes on the outside, it can look sexy. It can look... Social media. Um, you know, everything's amazing and everything's going well because that's what we naturally share. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to... We try. We try to be transparent. I try to be transparent. You do too. But like the, the good stuff usually sticks out to people more. Right. But the reality is, I've talked right before meeting with you here, uh, met with two of my buddies throughout the morning and both both entrepreneurs, both creative people, starting projects, big dreams, big visions, failure after failure after failure, a roadblock after roadblock, and then a success, and then it's back to, you know. And so I just want to always keep that on the forefront of people's minds as they listen, is this is a, like giving a damn, living a damn-filled life is 100% amazing and worthy. Uh, it's a worthy life, and we should we should aim for that because MLK, life's most persistent, urgent question is what are you doing for others? Like that is the pinnacle question, but it's not going to be easy. And that's what mm -hmm. I'm always trying to remind people. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And you're going to want to give up, and you're going to want to fail, and you're going to want to go back to your corporate nine-to-five job. Yeah. And you might stay there. I'm not saying people have to like quit that. Figure out your way of giving a damn, but um, it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the main thing. But how do, how do you give in a way, like how do you give a damn and not, you know, 
create a picture of you're just trying to do it for social media clout. So at, every time that we're doing something, it's not going to be like Drake's uh, God's plan video yeah. where we're just walking around <laughs> giving out money because yep. that's not always the image that we want to portray I loved as well. and hated that. You know? I right. loved and hated that because it was like, this is so cool. Like These are worthy things. Like The kid got to go to college, like, college tuition paid for. And all of that is great. But that's just not how it is for 99.99999% mm-hmm. of things. No one's ever going to see them. Are you still willing to put in the work? Right. Are you still willing to do it? Is your integrity that high? Mm-hmm. Do you have that much integrity that if no one sees you, you're still going to help that homeless person out? You're still going to plant the gardens. You're still going to, uh, whatever it is, serve the refugee. You're still going to cook a meal for a neighbor. Mm-hmm. And not have to feel like you have to post it on social media to tell someone. Like, yeah. Just do it because it's the right freaking thing to do. Right. And and that's something that I think I just I don't know that balance for a lot of the content that um, that's being put out there right now and and social media can have an effect on your mind because like you said someone might think that everything that we're doing is a home run but that's not true but if they're only if they're trying to measure themselves just against someone else or an organization or where they think that they are in life then mentally that can be kind of draining to them as well so for example you know from from a Gordon aspect if I'm following ten different uh, gardens or 10 different organizations is doing similar work and all I do is see all they post is wins and I'm like every day they just getting another grant for $100,000 like what are we doing wrong it's yep. something that we're yep. doing mentally yep. that can be defeating so you have to create that balance as well to be able to separate that because all the lives that's created through these social media outlets are not always true and you don't always see those struggles and so having that balance and knowing when to be able to log off can help you long term as well. Yeah, that's such good advice. That's great. Okay, last question. Well, we're getting toward the last question. Uh, someday you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's many, many years from now, especially since you're putting all that good stuff in your body. But you're going to die someday. That's, our, our, that's how it happens. Um, hypothetically, I'm chosen to give your eulogy. Mm-hmm. So all of your family, your friends, all these kids you're helping, all these families you're helping, all the people that you've served throughout your long and fruitful life, they're there ready um, to hear what I have to say about your life and legacy. What do you hope that I would say on that day about your life and your legacy? Man, so so being a person that's heard you speak, I know that you can really grab the audience's attention. So I would definitely want you to say that he was the best drug dealer that ever existed. And what that means is, you know, a lot of times these these drug dealers out in the street, they want to be the man on their block in their neighborhood. They want to be able to provide for their family and they want to live a lifestyle um, where people continuously are purchasing the items that they're releasing. I want to be the man within my community, the man by being able to build something that really does matter and that's genuine as you see my passion for what I'm doing. And I also want to create a product of veggies and herbs and all these different experiences to where people want to continue to come out and do it again and again. I really just want to make my family proud. So that's those those are the things that I would want for you to say. So now that you have a little bit of the spill, you know, uh, we're gonna to have to make sure that you're added to when I'm 110 and I and I pass away during that time frame. I'm down. I will definitely. I mean, that's a great legacy, and I love that earlier in the conversation you alluded you you pointed out how the positive aspects of what a dealer does, like how they, and then you did it again just now. Uh, my friend David Vobora, who's been on the podcast, Adaptive Training Foundation in um, in Dallas, Texas. It's a gym for um, a lot of veterans who have lost limbs and PTSD, and he helps them recover, get back into, it's, it's an amazing organization. But he his book either is coming out or came out called Hope Dealer. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said. He goes, I want to be a dealer of hope. Because, and I think, why well, I think that's such a good example is we can learn so much from them. They are the best, 
product managers, yeah. as yep. it were, like product people and chain. best like marketing and PR. Like they are so good at making a good product, selling it, and then getting people to come back for more. Mm-hmm. Not just because they might be like addicted to whatever, like be, but they know how to. They have what people need, and they yep. they have it ready and at the right price, and the, 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 all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that is, I think, just a great. That's a great kind of metaphor for what we should all be doing, really. Yeah, is like creating stuff in the way that they do, but actually putting like positive spins on it and building positive and creating positive things for the world. Yeah, and and that's and that's really what it's about, man. Because those guys, you know, initially never never probably wanted to do that. Um, no, but then they yeah. got into it and seeing they were really good. I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. Never in a million years. If if you tell me when this, this when I was seven, eight, this is what I would be doing, I wouldn't believe you. But I feel like I was forced into a situation because it was something that wasn't provided to my community. And I had to do something about it from a personal level. When I started, it was about, you know, how can I do something for me? But then it became, how can I do something for we? That's creating something within these communities that really does focus on, you know, let's give a damn, let's all come together and be able to do something that's going to be positive. And I think that that's what we're doing overall as an organization because we have an amazing team. Oh, and, and one more thing, just, just to go back to what yeah. you were saying earlier about if you're starting something, um, what's something I would recommend? Surround yourself with people that are way smarter than you. There you go. I have zero experience gardening prior to this. The first thing that I did was bring on a student who had recently graduated who had a lot more agricultural experience than me to be able to lead some of our projects. And then That's most great. recently, we brought on people from a PR perspective who could be able to assist in amplifying our voice to be able to tell people our story and what we're doing. And then also somebody who could really be able to help from a funding perspective and community engagement to make sure that what we're building will last a long time because the community wants it to be there so that's also fantastic advice you got a lot of it that's Man, good for, yeah. that's great advice surrounding yourself with people who know more than you that's always great advice mm-hmm. for really anything that we're doing as we wrap up here what do you want people to go look for what's the social media handles is there a campaign coming up or what's the website just what do you want people to go as they shut this podcast down where do you want them to go? Yeah, so if they're interested in just following us uh, and seeing our story, they can follow us on Instagram at, at trapgarden, all one word. If they want to volunteer, whether it's through donating um, certain monetary donations or actually getting their hands dirty within the garden space, they can go to trapgarden.org and sign up for one of our volunteer opportunities or look at other projects that we're going on, that we have going on as well. So it's a lot of different ways to get involved. Um, we have merch as well if they want to support through that. That nice. way, but it's all about just coming out and, and, and making something happen for the community, and we can do it in a lot of different ways. And what's your social media? Are you so my personal, yeah, my personal social media is going to be Rob Veggies on Instagram, and they can just follow me as well and see some of the background items that they're not always saying go. from those failures. There you go. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. This was super fun. I've learned a ton, um, and I look forward to continue observing and participating in what you all are doing. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Dear friends, thank you for joining me once again for another conversation. Wasn't that amazing? I love Rob. In the short time we spent together, I really uh, grew to admire him and really want to hang out with him again. We're going to do that for sure. Go visit what they're doing at trapgarden.org. You can also go follow Rob on Instagram at rob.veggies. That's rob.veggies on Instagram. 
As we wrap up today's episode, check out letsgiveadam.com for all podcast conversations and show notes. You can find us on social media at Let's Give a Damn and Nick LaPara everywhere. We'd love to continue the conversation there. And lastly, I made a private Facebook group where I and a few hundred other people post stories, ideas, thoughts about giving a damn to encourage and challenge each other. We're just ramping that up. And if you'd like to join us, search for Damn Good People on Facebook and request to join. If you're not a crazy person or someone looking to start trouble, I will most likely let you in. No, I will let you in. Friends, thanks so much for joining me today for this conversation. So many great things to come. I hope you'll join me next Tuesday for an inspiring conversation with yet another amazing human and damn giver. Love you all. Bye for now. Thank you.